Well, we're still here, so let's talk about it. The last couple of episodes were spent talking about how we're going to tell people our wishes, who we're going to choose to be our advocate. We also called it the healthcare agent, the healthcare proxy, or the durable power of attorney for healthcare agent. These folks are the ones that we have decided and and discussed with being who advocates the decisions that we have already made and talked about and written in our advanced directive. So it's time to talk about an advanced directive. There's also a document called the Five Wishes, which is also considered legal in terms of having it signed either by a notary or by witnesses. There's also something called a subjective advanced directive. So I've printed out Washington State's advanced directive, and I'm just going to briefly cover it because every state has a different form. The key here is to remember when we quote unquote make these decisions and then pass them along to our healthcare agent, we've already made the decision of what we want. The only reason they're going to speak for us is because we cannot speak for ourselves at this particular time. That's why they've been chosen while we're able to talk about it and while we're able to designate our healthcare proxy or healthcare agent or durable healthcare power of attorney, we want to tell them what it is we really want. And that's not as easy as it sounds. I've talked about this before where I started to fill out my advanced directive and realize I wasn't ready yet. I went into this, this really deep place of contemplation and I realized I was making too many rules And that's when I decided it was time for me to take a break. I have since completed my advanced directive. And while I'm not going to cover the details of my advanced directive, I am going to walk you through a little passage in the back of the form so that you can kind of get an idea of where I was going then and what I have since completed. I'll also tell you that as you are sitting in your attorney's office, for example, they don't necessarily have the ability or the right even to explain to you the nuanced decisions that are considered special provisions. That's where a doula steps in. That's where your primary care, if you can get them to sit down for more than 15 minutes, might be able to discuss with you. If you have a dear friend who has already filled theirs out and covered these subjective pieces of the advanced directive, they may also be able to be of assistance. Okay, so let's look at the advanced directive. I'm going to read the first paragraph of this one. Excuse me, I'm going to read section A of this one. The first section says, I, state your name, having the capacity to make my own healthcare decisions, voluntarily make known my desire that my dying shall not be artificially prolonged under the circumstances set forth below, and do hereby declare that, and then section A. And so section A talks about what I might be diagnosed with, and it's considered an advanced phase of a terminal condition, and then that this terminal condition is uncurable and irreversible, and it was either caused by injury, disease, illness, something that would, within reasonable medical judgment, cause death within a reasonable amount of time. Those are important statements. For example, if you're in an irreversible coma or what's known as a persistent vegetative state, these advanced directives would come into play. Now, in the last paragraph of Section A, it says, In the absence of my ability to give directions regarding the use of such life-sustaining treatment, 
It is my intention that this directive shall be honored by my family and physicians as the final expression of my legal right to refuse medical or surgical treatment, and I accept the consequences of such refusal. This is the part of the advance directive that's important, and it doesn't contradict, but what it does do with the healthcare agent or healthcare proxy form is reiterate this notion of this is the final expression of my legal right to refuse medical or surgical treatment. It's not my family member's right, it's mine. By assigning them as my agent or proxy, however, I am passing that right along to them with the wishes that I already have decided, but they're going to speak on my behalf because of the illness or disease or injury that was stated above. That's key to remember that when you're discussing with your healthcare agent or the person you've chosen to be that advocate for you, because it just reiterates this idea that you've already made the decisions, it's their job to speak for you under any of those conditions which were stated in the paragraph above about injury, illness, or some irreversible condition that you do not want to live in. All right, so then we go down to section B, and section B is very straightforward. I want artificial nutrition, or I don't want artificial nutrition. Sounds easy, but what does that mean? Well, that means that you can receive nutrition via the IV or intravenous method. You can get a tube put into your nose that goes down into your stomach, or you can have a tube that goes through your belly button into your stomach, and you're fed artificially. What you should know about this artificial nutrition is it really does extend your existence, not necessarily your quality of life. Your body has to process whatever is taken in. And what this provides is, is an opportunity for this nutrition to go directly to your stomach and not necessarily have to travel all of the ways that normal digestion does. For example, digestion starts with smelling the food and then your salivary glands start the process of preparing to take in food into the mouth. Then your throat begins its peristalsis activity which moves the food down your throat and then eventually into your stomach. That takes body energy. And when you're already at the end of your life, that's energy that your body needs to start shutting things down. But it can't, so it prolongs your life. The next option is if I'm diagnosed to be in an advanced phase of a terminal condition or in a permanent unconscious condition, I do want to have artificial hydration or I don't want artificial hydration. So this would be given in the form of an IV and it's gonna be normal saline or lactated ringers or something along those lines to keep the body hydrated. But if the body is trying to die, this is just one more way to continue existence of a body that is trying to die. If you do want that, then of course you check the box yes. If you don't want that, then you would check the box no. These two categories seem pretty straightforward, but let's really talk about that though. If you're a young, healthy person and you've been in an accident and the chances of you surviving your hospitalization are very good because of your health, your youth, and the medical interventions that may be short-lived, then of course, choose yes, I want this. I want to have hydration, I want to have nutrition. I believe that when we're looking at an advanced directive, it almost seems as though we should approach it from what is the result of the care or treatment. 
is it going to prolong my existence such that my family can hold my hand but can't really get to converse with me or hear me say I love you or look into their eyes? That's a determination one has to make for oneself is that quality of life. If you have had a debilitating disease or go back to even the traumatic injury that has left you paralyzed or some other way incapacitated to where you can no longer sit in a chair by yourself or walk around or speak with your family, sing songs, laugh, eat on your own or drink your own drink. That's what you need to consider. Is this what you would consider as quality of life? And if not, what are you willing to accept? Now, let's go back a little bit with these two categories. Consider in a case where you've been rendered incapacitated, unable to speak for yourself, and perhaps you've been put into, say, a medical coma just to allow your body to recover from the tremendous injury that you've suffered to help you through some tremendous pain that you might experience depending on what your condition is. But in a short amount of time, these things can be removed and the chances are quite good that you're going to recover your previous or baseline quality of life. It is possible these things do happen. We've all seen television, which I've already said does not accurately depict what goes on uh, in the death of a person, but people do come out of comas and that's why we have landmark court cases. Terry Schiavo comes to mind, and there's many others where the family just cannot unhook the cords and the wires and the tubes from their loved one because they hope, they hold out all hope that that person will recover someday. And it's possible that that person could. However, to what? What? life would they have? And is the choice for you or for them? Are you wanting them to exist on tubes and wires and cords so that you don't have to grieve their loss? You're probably already grieving. You've been watching them already in this vegetative state or coma and there is probably a small part of you that recognizes that that's not really how they'd want to live, but you just can't let go. This is why the advanced directive is there. Because if, as an individual, you would not want to exist that way, almost regardless of what your family says, you do have the right to state that wish. And if you've chosen your health care proxy or your health care agent or durable power of attorney for health care, that person or those people on your list understand that and they're ready and willing at least at the time of signing the document to carry out those wishes and advocate for you. That's why I said it's not easy, especially if you're reading it as a healthy person. You think, oh, well, of course I want everything done for me to save my life. Well, you should have that and it's your right. However, if you yourself recognize that chances are that whatever remains after an illness or disease or injury such as this isn't life, not the way you want to live it, then you can make that choice on this advanced directive. Okay, so now I'm, I want to talk about this page two, at least for the Washington State Advanced Directive. There's a section 
that has additional directions in some categories. I believe it's on the healthcare agent page for Washington State, but it's called special provisions. It doesn't give any explanation whatsoever to what special provisions are. So when I did my first one uh, in 2018, I left it blank because I didn't have any. I've been educated since then, and I realize it wasn't that I didn't know of them, but I didn't recognize that this is where I would put those choices. So since I've been educated and now trained, I understand the importance of this category. So in the advanced directive, it's section H for the state of Washington, and it says, I make the following additional directions regarding my care. Now, what would I put there? Well, you could consider, do you want ventilation? Do you want a machine to breathe for you if you're unable to breathe on your own? Do you want to undergo surgical procedures in an attempt to save your life? That's a tricky one. And again, you really have to consider who you are, what stage of life you're in, and whether this surgery can help you maybe with a short-term recovery period. Sometimes one surgery can lead to another, to another, to another, and then ultimately ending in your death anyway. But you've lost those weeks or days or months of quality time. Or maybe if the doctor came in and said, if you don't have this surgery, you're going to die. Okay, doc, but can I have enough time to get my family together and talk to them? Maybe. And then you can have those loving conversations or whatever you need to do to feel like you're ready to take the consequences of either surgery or not surgery. That's where it gets really tricky here because there are so many scenarios that one can consider when they're thinking it up. And this is where I got into the weeds so badly. Well, if it's this kind of surgery then sure, I would take the surgery. But if it's that kind of surgery, no, I don't want that kind of surgery. Well, I was beginning to make it so difficult for any surgeon or physician to follow my directions. I realized I need to be as straightforward as possible and I need to understand what I'm choosing or not choosing more fully before I write this down. So it seems straightforward, but it's not always. We always have to consider... Where do we want to be? Do we want to be back to baseline? And I can tell you as an almost 60-year-old woman who doesn't lift the weights that she used to, who doesn't have the stamina that she used to, my baseline has changed. So do I want the baseline of my 40s? Do I want the baseline of my 20s? Or do I want the baseline of what I was before I came into this hospital? What am I willing to accept? These are the considerations when filling out your advance directive. So there's another little provision that you can consider putting into your advance directive. It's called allow natural death. And in this case, that means that almost no intervention will be undertaken. Or if it looks like that surgery is not going well, they're not going to keep doing surgery after surgery after surgery. This is where you really need to talk to a physician if you want to put this in your special provision to understand at what point medical treatment can be stopped to allow natural death. 
Is it before you get a tracheotomy? Maybe. Maybe you're willing to live with a tracheotomy and speak through a little voice box in order to be around your family because you can still communicate. You just can't speak. Those are all things to be considered under this special provision. The last one that I'm going to talk about is pain control. Now, our hospital system has become very good at monitoring and controlling pain. That is huge. But there's a level of pain control that is sometimes needed. And I talked about a medical coma, for example, where the pain is so tremendous, your body needs to be placed into this comatose state in order for it to heal or repair whatever is causing the pain. But in the case of terminal cancer and some end-stage diseases, the pain is so tremendous, there is no real treatment. There's only what's known as palliative care or pain control care. In this situation, you may want to have as much pain control as possible, even if it makes you sleepy, and even if it may hasten or bring about your death more quickly. If you're okay with that, then of course you would mention that, that I want pain control, even if it hastens my death and or makes me sleepy. You can add these special provisions right there on your advanced directive. Next time, I'm going to talk about the five wishes. These are the wishes that I'm talking about when I say, let your wishes be known. It's not easy. It can be quite emotional. And when you get your family involved to have these conversations, it can be quite difficult. But it's important if you want your wishes known. And don't you? That's it for now. I've talked a lot, but I'm glad you're here. Thanks so much. And we'll talk next time. Bye-bye. I'm sure glad you were with me today. Talking about death and dying is hard enough. As we go forward, talking about death and dying and all the topics about end of life, conversations, the people that we love, people we want to know better, let's just keep learning together. And if there's something that you want to learn more about, you can drop me an email. My address is kathy at whilewe'restillhere.com. The website is whilewe'restillhere.com. And the podcast is, you guessed it, while we're still here. So lots of ways to reach out, lots of ways to dig in and learn about talking to those people that we love while they're still here to have a conversation. Think about that. And until next time, folks, take care.